0: welcome to Bethany if you all stand with me this morning for the reading of the word this morning I'm reading out of Psalm 100 it says make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth serve the Lord with gladness come into his presence with singing know that the Lord is God enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good is God good Amen. I said is God good then let's lift up our voice and declare it, amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come into your presence where there is fullness of joy. So Lord, we lift up our voice and we declare that you are worthy of our praise and that you are worthy of all honor and glory in Jesus' name, amen.
1: We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise Oh, oh, oh We shout out your praise
0: Hallelujah!
1: We sing to the God who heals We sing to the God who saves We sing to the God who always makes a way Cause He hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave My God's still rolling stones away There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord My God is surely in this place And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise Oh, 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 we shout out your praise Let's go back to verse 2, Barb We sing to the God who heals We sing to the God who saves We sing to the God who always makes a way Cause he hung up on that cross And he rose up from that grave My God, still rolling stones away the lord there's joy in the house of the lord today and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord shout out your prayer in this place and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise oh 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 we shout out the prisoners now we're running free we are forgiven accepted redeemed by his grace let the house of the Lord sing praise we were the beggars and we were the beggars now we're royalty we were the prisoners now we're running free we were forgiven accepted redeemed by his grace There is joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in his place, and we won't be quiet. We We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We shout out your praise. Yes, we do. Oh, oh we shout out your praise oh oh, we shout out your praise hallelujah give it praise this morning
2: the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain move, and as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight,
0: I'll fight on my knees,
2: with my hands lifted
0: high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night, oh God. The
2: battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus,
0: nothing
2: impossible for you
0: when all i see are the ashes you see the beauty when all i see is across cross god you see the empty You in every battle Nothing can stand against the power of our God So when I fight I will fight on my knees With my hands lifted high
1: Oh God, the battle
0: belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night the battle, the battle belongs belongs So when I fight, so when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I, I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you.
1: God. Hallelujah.
2: is silencing my every fear silencing my every fear i believe in you
0: i believe in you
2: you're the god of miracles i believe i believe in God of miracles, the one who does impossible is reaching out to make me whole. Reaching out to make me whole The one who put death in its place His life is flowing through my veins His life is flowing through my veins I believe in you I believe in you you you're the God of miracles I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. The one who does impossible, the one who does impossible is reaching out to make me whole, reaching out to make me whole. The one who put thing in its place His life is flowing through my veins
0: His life is flowing through my veins I believe in you Cause yes, I believe in you Cause you're the God of miracles
1: Let me see your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I do too. Praise you, Jesus. Please play in that worship team. Hallelujah, God. We thank you this morning, Jesus, that you're the God of miracles. You're the God that heals cancer. You're the God that brings families back together. You're the God that heals disease and sickness. You're the God that fixes financial problems. Lord, you're the God who, de- who delivers us You're the God who saved us. You're the God who provides for us. And because of that this morning, Jesus, we praise you. We lift your name. You're Jehovah Nissi. You're our banner. And we wave that high today, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are the God of miracles today. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah Praise you God Oh I believe you. I believe in you I believe in you
2: You're the God of miracles Yes you
0: are I
2: believe in you I believe in you
3: You're the God of
2: miracles
4: There's a grace when the heart is under fire another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me There was another in the waters
0: Holding back the
4: seas, and should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears a burden. Where another died for me,
0: there is another in the fire.
4: beneath the widers. I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore. And should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning, either way I won't bow to the things of this world.
0: I know I will never be alone. There is another in the fire, standing next to me. There is another in the waters,
3: holding back the
0: seas. Should I ever need reminding, what power set me free? There is a grave that holds no body, now that power lives in me. There, there is, is another, another in the fire, fire. Oh, 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 there, there is, is another, another in the Hear the road and in the, the heavens, heavens the as the space, space between wears in I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls gave it? in nothing stands between us nothing stands between
1: Hallelujah.
4: He who was and still lives and will be through it all. Okay. Okay. So come one day in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone.
0: Yeah! I know I will never be alone. We are never in the fight. There'll be another in the waters,
1: holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding,
0: how could you bear to leave?
1: I'll felt the joy come every battle,
3: cause I know that's where
0: you'll be. And I can see the light. In the darkness, as the darkness bows to him, I can hear the roar. In the heavens, as the space between wears thin, I can feel the ground
4: shake beneath us, as the prison walls cave in,
0: nothing stands between us, nothing stands between us.
4: the name but the name that is Jesus he who was and still lives and will be through it all I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance the exodus of my heart cause you found me you freed me held back the waters for my release oh you're
0: the god who fights for me lord of every victory hallelujah hallelujah
3: And just express your praise to the Lord. Just say thank you, God, for what you delivered me from. How you set me on high with you. Father, I thank you for your victory in my life, your goodness, what you what you brought me into. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. We just take a moment and just say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, 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 Lord. You're so good, you're so good. You're so wonderful, you're so merciful. You're so kind to us. You're so, so good, Lord. You're good. You have torn torn apart apart the the sea.
0: sea. You have led me me through the deep hallelujah.
3: something, I've been stirring around this, would you just take a moment, if you're filled with the Spirit, would you mind just singing in the Spirit with me? Like, just sing in the Holy Spirit. I can't sing, so this works for me. How we love you. How we
0: honor you. How we love you, name Lord. Praise us to you, O Lord. Thank you, name you, your name, Thank you for Lord. Thank you Sing hallelujah. 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 you. We love you. love you. love you. Ah, Jesus. We sing praise. you. Hallelujah. Praises. hallelujah. hallelujah. I
4: can't help as we're singing the song how he did this for you. Amen. Tore apart the sea, he tore the veil for you. Yes. Amen. Yes. I can't help but think that his promises are yes, amen, in our yes. lives. Yes. He loves you, and I'm believing with you. And this church is—we're all coming together and believing together that God's going to move mightily in our families in these last days. Yes. Hallelujah! He is going to move in powerful ways because he is the God of miracles. Nothing's too difficult for God. No. Amen. Because by faith we overcome by the word of the lamb and the blood of his testimony amen we overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony god is so good we just thank you lord
3: hallelujah i just love the presence of the lord man it's such a sweet aroma here and you know what it is it's the love of god and we are so grateful that you're here today if you see someone new turn and say hello to them we want to welcome you back to the house of god it's good to fellowship with you today what a great job worship team man it was beautiful to worship with you today
4: morning, Bethany. So glad you could make it out today. Do you like free stuff? Is it your first time here? Grab a connection card from the chair in front of you, fill it out, and take it to Guest Central for free stuff. Hope to connect with
1: you soon. Hi, Bethany family. Just a reminder that our offering boxes are located at the back of the church, or you can give online at bethanybillings.com. Luke 21:4. 4 for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Remember, you can't outgive God.
3: Sunday fun day for the back to school Sunday fun day time. We have a food truck, we have an ice cream, we have a rock climbing wall, and we have an axe throwing. This will be lots of family fun. Looks like we're doing this August 28th, mark that calendar august 28th right after the service also we have a snack drive for the canaan creek uh, school doing a snack drive so please bring that non-perishable donations being via snacks for the cane creek school snack drive
2: starting on tuesday august 30th we're going to be holding a three-day church-wide fast This is a time where we, as the body of believers, come together for the common purpose of seeking God's hand to intervene in our nation, our church, and our lives. We will be meeting each day at 6.30 p.m. in the church to join our hearts and prayers into a single voice knocking on the doors of heaven. We want to extend an invitation for you to join us during this
0: special time.
3: Good to be here in the house of the Lord. Hey, I think next Sunday we're doing some water baptisms. It's a double dunk day, and then we're going to go up to the oasis. And I've had a great list of people signing up. I had one young man volunteer to swim down the river in case anyone drifts away, and he'll grab them. He says he's a good swimmer, so <laughs> nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> I think we're, I went and looked at the river. I think we're going to take that spot over to the left. Uh, right before the bridge, that seemed to be a pretty easy spot to get into. So it'll probably be uh, on this side of the bridge, on the left-hand side. That's the spot I'm aiming for. There should be a little sign out there to catch it. But we are going to have us a great time getting baptized. Amen. If you haven't been baptized, it's your moment. Sign up out there in the foyer, and then shout out to everybody who did VBS with us, man. That was a ton of fun. My kids were depressed when it's over. They had so much fun running around. I want to thank everybody for your help. All right, Genesis chapter thirty-seven, and I'm. Uh, Kicking off and also continuing a series I started earlier uh, called In the Moment. I'm just trying to hear what the Lord is saying in the moment. And I'm I'm telling you, this is not easy for me. I have spent so much time doing series of messages because that's how my brain works. I like to have a thought out there in advance and work on it and craft something. So not easy for me. And I remember I was out you know, prayer walking back behind the building over here. And I looked out into a little field back here and I could see the wind blowing on the grass. And a verse just came into my mind like a thought hit me. And so I'm in the moment with things that I'm walking through and I've been reading through the life of Joseph. And uh, I want to just highlight some of his story. I'm starting in Genesis 37. I want to pick it up in verse 12 and read down to verse 17. I'm I'm trying to set the scene for you. Uh, and, And we all know this story pretty well. It says that his brothers, Joseph's brothers, went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send you to them. So he said, Here I am. And he said to them, Please go and see if it's well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him to the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him. And there he was, wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they've departed from here, for I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just thank you for your hand that's upon each and every person, your guiding direction and your purpose, and your will, and your plan. And I pray that we have eyes to see, ears to hear what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're working in our lives. So we just say we want to open ourselves up to you this morning to receive the word of God and have you lead us in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Um, <laughs> I was thinking back about you know times past, when I was um, probably a 17-year-old boy, and I was driving home from Laurel High School one night, late at night, maybe 9, maybe more like 10 or 11, and there's a back road called 8-mile road that where the Chief Joseph markers are. We used to live out there. Have you ever been on that road? So I remember I was probably doing 95 miles an hour in a Ford Taurus. If you don't know, that's probably not the best car to be doing 95 miles an hour, front-wheel drive car. And I'm driving along, and I thought, 95 might be a little fast for this car. And so I decided to just slow down a little bit. It's a good thing I did because the next thing I remember, that car lost control. And I started spinning. And fortunately, it's got some large embankments on the side. I spun out into the side. It did a 360. And I remember, you know, thinking to myself, how can I be going this fast and going backwards? That's pretty incredible. Uh, There was, you know, (laughs) some sagebrush that stopped me. And, And so I came to, it's really just a miracle that I didn't roll the car. I mean, I'm sitting there, and I was actually able to drive the car out. And, you know, that, that entire, it never did stop wobbling. Now, I didn't tell Mom and Dad what happened. Mom, you might be hearing this for the first time. Sorry about that. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I've had so many moments in life where God's invisible hand has intervened. And at the time, you know, I, I wasn't living godly, so I chalked it up to luck, man. I'm, I'm like, I, I didn't perceive that God was there, he was with me, and he was protecting me. And what I felt stirred about to just minister on this morning is what I call the imperceivable instrument of God's hand. It's it's the ways that he works situations that you don't often notice or or often see. And I like how the book of Romans describes it in Romans chapter 1. It calls it the invisible attributes of God. Invisible attributes, and yet the Bible says it's clearly seen. There's things that God does on invisible levels. And yet, when you look back at them, they, they will be very evident and clear. Now, I, I have learned that that song we sing, you know, it's called Waymaker. Even when I don't see it, when I don't feel it, he's working. And he never stops working. And, and that, that's a true song, man. I, I've experienced that firsthand. I, I've seen him do those things in my life. And, and, you know, sometimes people really just don't fully comprehend that God is at work, that he's working in certain ways. They don't appreciate it. They don't understand it. They're looking for him to move in a way that they're familiar with, a way they're comfortable with. And I see this with people in general. I see this a lot even with spirit-filled people because they're looking for pizzazz. They're looking for a gift to take place. They might be looking for, you know, boom and a word from the Lord. And so if that not happening, they might think, well, God's not in the situation. And sometimes nothing could be further from the truth. He might be doing something. You just haven't perceived what he's doing. And I'm telling you, this is one of the great ways in discovering who he is and walking with him and finding out that he is alive and well and involved. And you can see it here in the life of Joseph. So I had a couple, you know, just things the Lord put in my heart that I could make observation with as I was reading through his story. Now, I want to highlight Genesis 37, verse 15. I came across this verse some time ago, and it's always intrigued me. It says that a certain man found him as he was out wandering in the field. And the man asked him a question. What are you seeking? The first thing I want to highlight is when God uses what I would just call random situations, a certain man found him. Sort of arbitrary, uh, ordinary, not out of the blue. It's seemingly coincidental, but actually it's highly providential. A certain man. It just tells us, you know, here he is, a naive, probably 16, 17-year-old boy wandering in the field. And this individual, whoever it was, Jewish rabbis that have looked at the verse have commented that this may have been a theophany, an appearance of Jesus, or the hand of providence. We don't know who the man was, but the man just said, are you looking for your brothers? And that one question sent that guy on a course that would change his life and change the world. And it was just this random moment when a man who's unnamed said, hey, what you looking for? You know, the, the problem with random moments is that you cannot prepare for them. They're outside of your control. Actually, they're beyond anything you would choose. And you know, the thing with our culture in America, the way you probably live your life, is that you like to be in control of situations. You really want to control outcomes. You want to be able to you know, determine what I can do and where I can go, and 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 in this case here with Joseph, that that choice was not afforded to him. He didn't have any opportunity to determine what was going to happen next. He just met a guy who asked a question and said, "Your brothers are over there in Dothan." It set him on a course totally outside of anything of his own choosing. And you know, a lot of times you might be in a random situation, and and not fully realizing or appreciating what it could lead to, where it could go. And in many cases, it could be this invisible hand of providence. The hand of providence. What we can appreciate about random moments is that sometimes they reveal the sovereignty of God. That He is at work in a sovereign capacity. Uh, He's doing something. Listen, God is like a master chess player. He's one step ahead of you. He understands he, in the next three moves. He knows how things are going to play out. He knows the future better than you know the past. And, and he's in control of the situation. Now, I remember at moments like this. One time I was working in Kansas City, Missouri. And I remember, you know, I, I had to choose between jobs. And I, I felt really strongly impressed to take a job that had less hours at a hotel I couldn't shake it. I went with it. And little did I know that that one job was going to open up a door to work with a ton of pastors in the area that just set me up for success and gave me perspective. And it was completely supernatural and sovereign. It was just a random situation that the door opened up for me, and it turned out into a beautiful opportunity for me. Randomness. The thing about random moments that God is behind is they really illustrate his personal touch in your life. The, the fact that he is intimately involved with you on a small level. Whether it's the fact that he saved you in a car wreck, come on somebody. <laughs> or it's the fact that he answered small little prayers, things you might have been praying about. You ever, you ever had things like that? You're praying and you just want an answer from God. I remember one night I couldn't find the bolts for my bunk bed. I prayed and God gave me a dream, told me where they were. <laughs> little things like that. I mean, I'm grateful for his hand of intervention in in, in those personal moments that matter so much. Yeah. You know, the 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 problem with random moments, though, is that you never notice them in the moment. You kind of have to look back, and then you can see all the while that God was orchestrating it and working it out for your good. Man, that that's a wonderful and comforting thing to see. In Joseph's life, here, he's just asking. The man found him on top of that. Hey, are you looking for your brothers? And that random one moment just led to an incredible, incredible thing. Be careful to be watchful for random moments that could be very providential. Let me give you another way that God works that you probably don't ever perceive or realize. Look at verse number 18. It tells us that when his brothers saw him in a distance, far off, even before he came near them, these jokers had already conspired that they were going to kill the man. <laughs> Here's what I could see in this moment. God uses resentful people sometimes to accomplish his will. Resentment. Here's Joseph's angry, antagonistic, jealous brothers. And you, you would never think it, but God is actually behind the whole thing. And he's using them just like he did with Esau. Remember how angry Esau was at his brother Jacob, and his anger and his frustration pushed Jacob out to be with Laban's family, where he would end up, you know, raising 12 children and and setting up Israel's destiny. It was an angry man that pushed him out. Probably everybody in the room has had to deal with somebody who's resentful or. You might have actually been the resentful person. <laughs> and you know, when you're in that moment of anger, frustration, like you just don't like somebody, that's where it can be quite challenging to actually perceive that God could be working in the middle of it. I mean, you, you, you kind of are so caught up in the moment with emotions, you don't recognize it. And yet this is a, a relationable and teachable moment that I'm telling you can yield some lifelong lessons. Some of the greatest lessons in my life have come at the hands of an angry man. Bad bosses that have set me up for success so I couldn't make the same mistakes. Angry people in life that taught me a little wisdom. And in the moment, I'm like, man, you know, <laughs> enough of this. But what I have learned in moments of dealing with difficult people has been invaluable. value. One thing I've learned in, in, in dealing with angry people, resentfulness and bitterness, is I have learned how to forgive people. That's a life lesson. That's a coping skill that people in this era of time don't seem to understand. That forgiveness might be one of those things that frees you up, releases you to be a blessed, walk in peace with your life. I'm so grateful I've learned how to forgive people. You know, I remember being in high school, and I think the reason I was going so fast is because at that time I was kind of an angry man. You ever dealt with a young, angry, adolescent male? <laughs> I, fit the, I fit the mold, man. I had some anger issues in my heart. I'll never forget, though, when I got right with the Lord and my sisters who knew I was angry and I made amends. I, I was the resentful man. And I just remember that, that forgiveness that was extended. What a blessing, man, to have forgiveness. I learned it. I walked through it. I'm grateful for that. You know what I have learned about resentful people and resentful situations? Is they have taught me how to love somebody who might be unlovable. I mean, the greatest place you could get to in your walk with God is learning how to love someone. Now, I had a dear woman of God, a grandma, that I love dearly. And she was telling me about a family situation she's going through. You know, she said there's some real problems in our family. There's disagreement, discord, there's anger. And she said, but you know, I I actually feel like God is in that situation because what it's doing is teaching and it's perfecting me. Here here I am, elderly in life, and understanding that this difficult situation is growing me. It's like God never stops working with you. And he might use an instrument that's painful, but it's sharpening you. And and, man, she had the spiritual insight to perceive what God was actually doing in the situation. God was at work using that situation to teach someone, how am I going to love people? How am I going to move beyond this? You know, bitterness and, and resentful people, angry situations, they have taught me how to worry less about what people think. I'm way less concerned about the opinions of somebody else. Man, that, that is a freeing thing. One thing I enjoy about getting older in life, I don't seem to care as much about what people think. And I'm able to move beyond the fear of man you know, what you think people are going to do or think about it. And it's like, man, I'm not even concerned. I'm concerned about how am I going to walk with God? How am I going to raise children? How am I going to love people? That's, that's what it's bringing me through. And I've just discovered if you handle these situations the right way, it'll make you a better person. Not a bitter person, a better person. I meet a lot of people who are bitter. I don't meet a lot of people who process what's going on in difficult situations with people and become better. And if you know the end of Joseph's story, you know at the end, he did forgive his brothers. He became a better man because he perceived that God was setting it up. So sometimes he will use clowns to help you grow. Come on, somebody say amen. Anyone ever met a clown before? Yeah, difficult. (laughs) You know, his brother's... Decided maybe we should not kill him, instead, we should make some money. Let's just sell the man off into slavery. You know, I, I, I had sisters that I used to get, you know, angry with, and I, I thought about killing them, but I never did. If I could have sold them in those days, I might have. But I they sold the man. The story picks up in chapter 39, uh, and Joseph, you know, is sold into the house of a man named Potiphar, captain of the guard. Look at verse 2. It tells us the Lord is with Joseph. He was a, a successful man. One thing that frustrates me about the Bible is it doesn't tell us exactly how it was he was successful. The master insight into what he was doing. It says he was in the house of this man named Potiphar, and the master Potiphar saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made everything he did prosper in his hand. I, I don't know, you know, what all he's doing, taking care of goats and sheep, and if they're multiplying, or you know, what exactly he was doing as a as slave into this man. But the house evidently was clean. Maybe he got the work done of two maids and didn't have to, he could have got rid of one of the maids. I don't know. So it says that Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then from there, it says he made him an overseer of the house and all that he had, he put under his authority. It's communicating the idea that Joseph's gift is at work. And he ends up like, you know, taking over the man's finances, running the home, running the estate. And I could talk here about the favor of God, how God uses it, but what I really was drawn to was another thing that God uses that you probably don't even perceive, and that is repetition. God uses the repetition of our talents to use something that is repetitive. Joseph was a faithful man, faithful with his responsibilities, faithful with the ability that God had given him, organizationally, administrationally, and he's also got wisdom on top of that. And it does remind me of what Jesus talked about in the parable of the talents. You know, you, you got to use the gifts that God has given you. And if you're faithful with a few, God will make you rule over many things. So his, his faithfulness, you know, will demonstrate itself on behalf of somebody who's really good at doing those little seemingly insignificant things. This is what God uses that you often don't perceive, monotony. He uses situations that are you know routine and, and and a behavior that's you know developed over time and you might even get bored with it but as long as you're practicing behavior in little things and little bits of faithfulness it's like God uses that to really grow a gift and not only that this was a reoccurring repetitive cycle in Joseph's life you can see it play out i mean he's with potiphar and he's taking care of everything in his home he's being faithful that he he's just you know, there to administrate little things and that's producing, it's fruitful, everyone can notice it. And if, you know, Potiphar's cougar wife hadn't got longing eyes, he probably could have stayed there for a while. But you know what happened? He ended up in prison and the same thing happened. I don't know how he went from cell block E over to cell block A where the political prisoners are kept, but somehow his faithfulness and administration abilities was at work. So he ends up with a high-profile prisoners, the real good ones, the butler and the baker, who the pharaoh got mad at and threw out into prison. And in that place where he'd been faithful and serving at the prison, uh, the butler and the baker, you know the story, they had these dreams. that came to him and he is interpreting dreams for them. He, he's got this skill set like Daniel the prophet had. I mean, uh, wisdom to be able to do that. That is a gift. That's a spiritual gift. He's exercising. He's operating in that. He's working, and, and it's, it starts to grow in his life. God gave him a little talent, but he's being faithful with it, and, and it's, it starts to grow in his life. You, you can see repetition at work. You know, the thing about repetitive behavior is that it hones your skills a little over and over and over. I remember playing sports in high school, and in order to really get good at shooting a basketball. I I had to go out in my driveway and I had to shoot a couple hundred shots every day, I mean over and over and over because I was trying to create muscle memory, just just doing something repetitively until it became natural, and it took me a few months I was actually able to change my shot so I became a more effective player, you know I I found similar things like you know working on my house I mean I I got pretty handy with tools and it just came from repetition and. You know what I noticed was hanging out with some friends of mine last week. I had a great time with my friend evangelist Chris Michelson, man. He was a ton of fun. And he is an evangelist. You know, evangelists are just going to evangelize. You got to get out of the way and, and let them do their thing. Cause like he just loves to do it. He goes places, witnesses to people. It's a natural thing. He's exercised that gift. And by the way, I do intend to go to Pakistan with him. If the Lord opens the door for us, man, what a blessing it would be to be able to impact the lives in that region of the world. Uh, I, I'm excited for that endeavor because I like hanging out with someone like that. It teaches me something. I learn about evangelism, something I feel like I want to grow with, right? So I'm around somebody with a gift that's operating in it. And exercising that is, is something that's you know working in his life. I see the same thing when people pray. I've prayed for things, and, and I've prayed enough to know when God will answer a prayer. I can tell it's coming, man. I, I've been in his presence. I pray. I watch him answer situations, I know I see people who pray for others, and it's like that repetitive behavior is giving them a confidence and a faith that God is going to do something, repetition. I mean, think about spiritual gifts, if you've ever practiced them or applied them. I know people who are pretty good at dream interpretation. I've got a guy, hey, I don't know what all this meant, and generally he can give me a pretty close idea. That's from a repetitive gift operating it over and over and over again. Maybe it's a prophetic gift. you praying for somebody, getting stirred up. It's exercising that gift where it really starts to come alive. You know, Pastor Daniel has got one of the greatest administrational abilities I've ever seen. I mean, his ability to take care of things, stay processed, work them through, think about the long... It's incredible. And what the gift does is it starts to open doors for you because the Bible says that a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. And I can watch that play out in Daniel's life. It's pretty incredible to me. It's a gift that's repetitive and it's an operation. You might think it sounds boring and like you're not even thinking about it, but what you don't understand is that actively, actually, God is working it. He's growing it. He's, straight, he's sharpening it. He is at work in your situation. Mm-hmm. See, rep- repetition is what helps you, uh, it, it's the best way to prepare for something. Remember, you know, the Navy SEALs, when they went to get bin Laden. I read about that report. They, they basically trained hundreds of times. They went over it three or four times a day for a month. And they're always training and they're always practicing. So when the situation went bad, they had trained so much, they were familiar with what they were going to do, and they went in and took care of business. And it was repetition. That's how NFL teams practice. They, they, they'll have the same scripted play that they run over and over again. So when they get into a game... It's flawless. It's the repetition which produces a confidence. So when, when you have practiced something, God uses those, you know, seemingly, He takes that uh, incremental steps, those little baby steps, that little bit of behavior, and He takes that and He multiplies it. When you're good with little, God will make it great. He, he, that's what He does. You know, one thing that uh, I have learned how to do is handle conflict or learn how to communicate through difficult things with people. And I've exercised that enough where I'm really not intimidated to have a difficult conversation with somebody. And it's because I've been through repetition on it. I've been through battles. I feel like I can communicate grace. You can take that same principle and you can find it applies in any area of your life. And if you'll see the hand of God in it, you can see that it will grow so he can use it in a more powerful way. Don't ever neglect what God is doing in little things because it might be setting you up for something greater. So here's Joseph. He had been in prison. I think we all know the story. He interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker. And I just want to draw your attention to chapter 40 and verse 23, the very last verse of the 40th chapter. After he had given the dream to the butler, he tells the butler, when when this happens, remember me. And tell the Pharaoh, I've been put in here inappropriately, convicted of something I didn't do. In verse 23, the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. <laughs> you might feel like that's your life story. You might feel like maybe God's forgotten about you. I do like how the Bible continues the story. Remember, there's no chapter or verses in the original text. So when we come to chapter 41, it tells us it came to pass at the end of two full years. I like how it says two full years. It's just emphasizing this delay of time. That's when Pharaoh had a dream. And you know the story here. Pharaoh had a dream. Set Joseph up. Now, he'd probably been put in prison or sold to Potiphar when he's 17 years old. Some people say 13 years old, but he's a young man. And he may have been in prison for a decade. And then we got two more years. Probably 13, 14, 15 years of his life, he's in these places, and it's like he wasn't quite ready yet. The time had not come, which brings me to another thing that God uses that is so frustrating and so hard to perceive, and that is that God will use the restraint of time. See, we live in this dimension of time and space. It's it's the the world we live in, three dimensions, but God lives outside of time. He lives in a realm called eternity. And that means that God is unlimited in his time. And so he uses time as a tool to develop people. And I I called it restraint, the restraining force of time, because God's timing is perfect. I mean, everything is beautiful in its time, the scripture says. And You can try to force because outside of that time, you can try to holler, you can try to kick, you can try to force things to happen, you can do everything you can, but if it's not in God's time, his blessing won't be there. And he uses this this thing that we call time in your life as a way of growing and developing you. It's just, for those of us who live in a fast food, microwave, American society with the internet, it's very hard to understand it. It's, it's hard. You get frustrated by it because you're not used to it. But God does use time. He uses it as a test. I like the psalmist said, Psalm 105, verse 19. It tells us that until the time for Joseph's word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Time was testing him. What it was was marinating him. You ever cook meat? You know the best meat is meat that's been marinated for a couple of days, and it's also been poked holes in it, right? That's time. It's getting prepared. It's getting ready. It's got juices that are salivating in it. And I, that's just how God tends to use things. He uses time as a way of developing and, and working on us. And, and, and the other thing about time, man, I like what the Bible says in the book of Galatians. It talks about the appointed time. That's the time when God said He's going to do something. It's it's a set time in the book of Psalms. Moments in your life where maybe God has promised you something, He spoke to you about something, and and, and He's given you a set thing, an appointment that you have, and, and a lot of people are in that moment waiting. You're waiting, and while you're waiting, it's a test. And until another thing comes, which is called the fullness of time. Galatians 4.4, 4, my favorite Christmas verse, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. There came a fulfillment of time, a time when God was directly involved in that, and He manifested His Word. It came to pass. You know, when you look at Joseph's life, I mean, you can see that the fullness of time had now come to him. There was a divine reversal right here. You know it's time when you come to the end of your strength. Like like Joseph, I mean, he's in prison. He didn't think it's ever going to happen. It's it's something that he had no ability to do. He it's just something where you know he's been there two more years. I'm sure he was just nonchalantly going through his business, and boom, that's when it happened. You know, it's time in your life when it's something that happens outside of yourself and your own abilities. I mean, Joseph's story is incredible, supernatural. He went from the prison to the pentagon and he goes from prison to the penthouse he's like you know taken from the very lowest and put to the very highest and that had to happen outside of human ability it was god's hand you know the, the thing when you discover that god really has a time for you is when all the human resources fail joseph had pinned his hopes on the butler this butler is going to get me out of prison i am an innocent man i didn't do this if the butler could When Pharaoh, I can get out of this place. But you know it's really God's time when someone else will plead your case. Because I like what the butler said. He said, oh, I remember my faults today. There was this one guy in prison who interpreted my dream, and he can interpret your dream, Pharaoh. So you know it's the fullness of time for you. We know time is right there. When it's something that's easy, natural, when you don't have to struggle for it, it's just God puts it all together. And I've had moments in life where the fullness of time has come, like when I wanted to get married, when we wanted to buy a house, when you want to have children. Sometimes these things that you have in your heart that you're waiting on, and, and, and when fullness happens, it's like God opens the doors, and He'll put you where He wants to do it. He'll do it. He makes the way easy for you. And, and He's just working in you through this element that we call time. And a lot of times we just don't fully see it or comprehend it, but one thing that I want to do is get better at perceiving his hand at work in my life. Because you might just bluntly walk through it and not understand he's actually orchestrating. It takes some sensitivity to do that. So I feel like I'm growing in that ability. I'm I'm learning his ways. I want to be more perceptive about that. And one thing I've learned about God's ways is in Genesis chapter 50, something I love. If you go to the end of the story, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph is there with his brothers, and the dad has died. They're worried he's going to be upset with them, and I love this verse. He tells them, he said, you, my brothers, meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Somebody say, he meant it for good. Amen. He meant it for good in order to bring, out, bring about as it is to this day and save many people alive. What I've learned about God is that in the end, God uses it all for good. You go through certain things in life, you may not perceive what's happening, but at the end of it, it's for His good. You know, I like what James said about the, the man named Job in the Bible, James 5:11. It says that uh, you've seen the end intended by the Lord, that He's gracious and merciful and compassionate. And there's something about God's goodness that at the end of time, God will mean it for good. You should never underestimate God's goodness. I was praying about that this morning, trusting in him, his goodness. You, you might have been through some trials, you might have been through some struggles, there might have been failures, bankruptcies. I have a good friend, and he ended up getting divorced. he was in a really rough situation. he didn't want to get divorced and, you know he he'd gone back and forth, he did everything he could to hold that together and he even moved away to try to help you know save his marriage and and so when it finally fell apart, man he was broke. He was frustrated. He just, you know, beside himself, lived for a couple of years just in agony and remorse. One day, he and they got married. Beautiful Christian girl at church and they were the same age and, and, and they just hit it off and, and they got married. I never he called me a little while ago. They didn't know at the time she was the only child and when her dad died, they left him a couple million bucks. And everything turned around. Like, He's getting a baby, and God's goodness was on display, man. The difficulty, the pain, and you can get bitter and you get angry, but in hindsight, you can see that God was with me. And what people might mean for good, for evil, God can turn it for good. I mean, think about the redemptive story in that. Man, what what a tremendous thing to walk through. Now, maybe in your life, you're having a hard time in, in the moment just... Understanding and perceiving what God is doing. I mean, how often does this happen to us? We take random moments and we just chalk it up like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. And instead, if you're perceptive and if your heart is alive and you're walking with the Lord, you might actually be able to identify, no, no, he, he's right here in the middle of this. There's a this situation, he's working. I, I can see his hand in that. Does anyone need to grow in that? Or am I the only one? I could take a random moment and perceive that God is in it. Or what about resentful people? I mean, when you want to hit somebody back because they're, you know, angry, you might understand that God is at work, working on you, developing you, perfecting you, do, doing some things that, that, you know, you're like, wow, what, what is happening in this situation? And, and it's God's work. I, I tell you, I always try to look for the best in people, even when there's a problem. I try to find the best, and that has helped me identify the hand of God, and how to minister in a situation, even with someone who's bitter. Yeah. Or, you know, these repetitive things, man. You know, there's a great verse in 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. And it says, do not neglect the gift that's in you, given to you by the Holy Spirit. I find a lot of people do not appreciate the gifts that God has given them, the skill set he's put before you. And so as a result, you never really do develop it, never do use it. You're not really super fruitful with it like you could be for the Lord. And all it takes is that natural ability to exercise it, be aware of it, and start blessing somebody. Maybe it's and if you could just get maybe it's generosity or stewardship or administration or your willingness to be a servant somewhere. And if you could just get that applied and appreciate it, that over and over behavior could multiply into something great for you. Just be aware of it. Yeah. Or you know, of course, we're dealing here with the restraint of time. <laughs> Maintaining mean, that's what pa- patience is when you stay positive, expecting an outcome even when you get long time waiting. And that, that's an attribute of godliness in people. And I know for me, I have had the restraining force of time work great things in my life. I know it's been easy, but it's at work. So perhaps those are areas for you to grow in. And I just want to pray that we be aware and sensitive to what the Lord is doing in our lives and situations because these things are not easy. They're, they're difficult to see. They're difficult to perceive. They're even more difficult sometimes to appreciate. Would you pray with me? Father, I just pray over each and every one of these people. You know, the hairs of their head. You are so personally involved. And I pray, Lord, for eyes to see, ears to hear, to be open and aware and situate of all that you're doing, of all that you're working. Lord, I pray that we would be perceptive to the Holy Spirit, perceptive to your ways, aware of them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. I, I, uh, I was thinking about the life of Joseph here. It's really a remarkable thing. Uh, Joseph is the greatest type of Christ. So I, there's somewhere between 40, 60, some people say as much as 100 parallels between the life of Joseph and the life of Jesus. I mean, whether it's you know the, the fact that he's a child of promise or you know he's loved by his father and yet hated by his brothers. Jesus was betrayed by his brothers. It's interesting that he was betrayed, Jesus was, for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. The price of a slave is what Joseph was sold into Egypt for. And yet, you know, Joseph rose to prominence just like Jesus did. And, and so these parallels are incredible. I think my favorite parallel here, my, one of my favorite verses is, is when Joseph comes to grips with the fact that it wasn't you that put me here, it was God who sent me ahead of you to save life. He sent me ahead. And that's what Jesus did. He was sent ahead of us to save life. It's for the Gentiles, for people outside of the... Joseph saved the whole world. He wanted to do that for you and me in our life. He was sent ahead. And I, I'm just grateful for his hand like that. You know, I, um, I'm excited today because I'm going to drive up the Beartooth Pass. They finally opened it up. And it will be fun to go up there. Last time I was going up the Tooth Pass... At, we stopped at that rest stop outside of Red Lodge and I remember Elizabeth and I were driving and we met a guy there and he actually happened to be a pastor on staff at a church in Texas and someone I listen to all the time. It was a random moment but God used it to, to, to just encourage me. I mean, I took that moment like, wow, that's pretty incredible. So this tr- they have guardrails. You know, the baretooth Pass is quite a road, right? You're going up there on the switchbacks and they have guardrails because if you... uh If you go off that road, you're going to die. (laughs) So when I think about the blood of Jesus, I I think about it's like that guardrail that keeps us safe and protects us because on the other side of that, without the protecting force of his blood, man, you're driving down the cliff to a sure death. And that is what eternity is without Jesus' blood. It's a barrier in your life. I'd like to give you the opportunity to accept the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed, man. I mean, like, if you're going down the road of life and you realize there's a cliff... Jesus' blood is what can keep you safe. If you've never put your faith in his blood or accepted him or received him, I want you to put a hand up and I will pray with you. Anyone who hasn't received I see those hands. Let's pray. Let's just say, Father, thank you for your blood. I, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I accept your forgiveness in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer and you're sincere, man, the Bible says you will be saved. If It's faith that comes from a sincere heart. I'd like to meet you if you prayed that prayer. Let's stand up. Man, I just feel the, what I, the presence and the goodness of God. I feel like a couple of people in here question God's goodness because of situations that they have been through in life. Sometimes I do that. But I've convinced myself that it's because I haven't got to the end of the story yet. Like, I think if you could look back in life, even you right now could look back at situations, you'll find his hand was there and it it was good in the end. The end intended by the Lord truly is good. So if you want prayer for something, you're going through a battle or something, I would love to pray with you. Man, the altars are open right here. And we want to love you and bless you. We're grateful that you came out to church this week. I want to challenge you to invite someone out. If you want to get baptized, sign up out there in the foyer and we will dunk you. And if you get swept away, as we said, we'll have someone there to grab you. Can't go wrong. And then we're going to the Oasis. So come out to church next week. We will have a great time. It's great to have you out with us today, man. We love you. God bless you. We will catch you all next week. Amen.